<laughs> so what do you uh, what do you have for me today? What do you want to talk about? It's on your well, mind. Well, I got a bold Zinvindel because um, I wanted to talk a little bit about being a bold lady. Mm, okay. Yeah, I know it sounds a little crazy, but bear with me. Um, we're obviously just out of 2017, just kind of getting into 2018, and I kind of wanted to look back on how 2017 kind of seemed to be the year of the lady. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean... In a couple different ways. Yeah. The first woman uh, candidate for president lost, and he lost to a man who was accused of sexual assault by 19 women, so that's not ideal. Yep. Not that's ideal. That's putting it mildly. Um, but because of that, I feel like 2017 really became like a rallying year for women. Obviously, this is not a political podcast, but I just feel like if we want to talk about what's happening with women, we have to start with what's happening politically. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean in December 2017, so just last month, multiple congressmen stepped down for being accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault of their aides, including Democrat Al Franken, um, senator from Minnesota, who allegedly groped a woman and forced women to kiss him, yeah. which is not great. That was shocking. Yeah, and he was a, a comedian before he was a senator for a long time, too, so it's definitely... Yeah, I think it's been interesting to see just how far this whole thing reaches into yeah. all different aspects of life and all different types of people and a lot of surprises, honestly. Yeah, yeah there were, and, and I think it showed that it wasn't defined by political party. It's just every office, every industry... There are just industry. people out there, yeah. and they're everywhere. <laughs> and, like, You're not doing wrong. terrible things. <laughs> just... Just to everybody. Yeah, just doing terrible things to everyone. And Men and women. Yeah. I know yeah. it's been a lot. It's it's mostly women, but there are plenty yeah. of men out there who've been abused as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Yeah. Not that you wish that on anyone. No, no. There was Hal Franken, um, Representative John Conyers. I don't know if you remember him. Oh, yeah. Um, but he used to sit around in his office in his underwear. Ah. And like sexually, yeah. Ah. Yeah, harass women and... Yeah, so he stepped down, though he wants his, he said he was retiring and he wants his son to take over for him. So, like, I don't know like, if that no really... Thanks. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Um, and Republican Representative Trent Franks, this is the guy who offered to pay women $5 million to let him impregnate them, like, as a surrogate, but, like, with sexual intercourse as, like, part of it. I, like, um, don't... I, I, like, honestly don't know how to respond to stuff like that. It's like, it's, where do you... Who do you think you are? I was gonna say, where do you get off on that? But that's probably the yeah. problem. <laughs> Not the right... Like, yeah, no, that's... Wrong phrase. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and also just, a very appropriate phrase at the same time. But, like, this is your professional life, your career. Why is that okay? Like, there is such an acceptance that, like, that's just the way it is, and you just have to suck it up or leave. Because all men who are abusers or harassers at some point in time, um, want to prove that they have power and dominion over someone else. Mm-hmm. And the best place to kind of show that power and dominion, I feel like, is at the office. There's this subtle feeling like... Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, like a subtle feeling that these men, and women sometimes, you know, uh, feel that they already are in a position of power and they can use that power and show their power and dominance in other ways. And I yeah. think that that really affects it, especially as more and more women are getting higher and higher in different offices and, and industries. I yeah. think we see more of that. Absolutely. And uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, um, from Senator from New York. I don't know if you saw the Politico magazine piece on her this I week. Did not. Okay, it's really good. There's a long um, piece about how she's been fighting against sexual harassment and sexual assault for her entire career, and how this is kind of building up to her running for office, or running for president. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. It's a really good snapshot of the the power she's had in getting a lot of these men to step down. Yeah. Especially on the political side. 
Obviously, she doesn't have any influence on Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> but that's... Well, I think justice has been a little swifter in the private sector than it has for elected office. Yes. Like, there's just different rules. Yeah. But I think both Democrats and Republicans, like some of, the, some of the snippets of interviews that I have heard, like women finally feel like they can exert the kind of power that they should have yeah. as a senator or a representative to say that this is wrong mm-hmm. and that we should legislate a different set of rules for this stuff. And Justin yeah. Gillibrand's an excellent example of a champion in that area. I'm just glad that they finally feel like they can. Yeah. And, and people are listening to them, you know, like that's the thing. Yeah. Like they've been, like you said with, with her specifically, like calling for it for years and take this crazy movement, which I just think has been amazing for mm-hmm. like getting a voice out there. Did you, not to jump the gun on anything you might other, otherwise be bringing up, but did you hear the stuff about what's happening in France? Because I just have like a personal love in my heart for how I, they've done this. I actually was going to talk about it in a little bit. So if you want to jump the gun, that's totally fine. Are you this sure? is a great, yes. Okay. This is a great <laughs> thing. It makes so, me so happy. Um, so obviously we had the Me Too hashtag, which okay. I think is very American in the sense that I think it took a lot of courage for people to step mm-hmm. out and and talk about things and and to kind of bandwagon in that way with like like made people feel more confident. Just taking it in their whole other aggressive like... We will not stand for this no. kind of direction. No. And sometimes I think we need that. There's a couple of... I'm sure we can scrounge up some like pretty good articles if anybody wants to go yeah. on a deep, deep dive. Totally, we'll post that. some badass French women just like going for it. Yeah, we'll throw that in on the website and let people check that out. Because there's some really interesting... Um, they're doing some interesting stuff in France. And it's just like classic France. And I remember one of the articles you sent me actually. They were talking about mm-hmm. how... France has had a, an especially difficult time with this because of gender norms that are very ingrained mm-hmm. in society. And so the fact that women are stepping up in such a like almost vulgar way, that's awesome. It's kind of a big thing. Yeah. I think. It's fantastic. And and that's why I got the bold Zinfandel because I was like, 2017 was the year that women got bold. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it was the election of someone who many women felt was a danger to women. And this feeling of like, you know, this woman, Hillary Clinton, her supporters were often like, she's the most informed woman in the room. She knows what she's doing. She deserves to be president. And then it was taken away from her. And I think a lot of women finally felt like, no, yeah, we're you know done what? With this. this isn't we're right. And I do know that 51% of white women did vote for Donald Trump. So I'm not taking away from that. But of all of the well, different and voices. I, and to stay a little apolitical, like I'm sure that certain people said in spite of what yes. he did for other reasons, yes. I will vote for him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it is interesting to see now that there's kind of this momentum, how many people from both sides of the aisle are leaving electric government mm-hmm. because of this stuff. And it's just this crazy way. And I'm sure that it's just going to get more interesting as we, A, have to fill all those seats and B, yeah. more and more stuff is going to come out about different people. Yeah. And I know and, that there's a and lot it of- is kind of, <coughs> well, with having him, having Donald Trump as president, like having that in his background, I don't know. I'm- Clearly, our age group is a little bit young to have remembered everything that happened with Bill Clinton and like how much of a controversy that was and how unacceptable a lot of his behavior was. Clearly, you could go deep, deep into some presidential history about how many crummy people or like weird stuff happened in people's (laughs) lives. Something that was acceptable and clearly was not. Yeah, there's some strange. It is weird to have all this momentum like happening in the country while someone that who's so openly and on tape, not just like admitted, bragged about it. Bragged about it, yeah. It's just, it's it's interesting. Well, it'll be interesting to see if there is any kind of change long term, if this was a true turning point. 
And I think that part of what might speak to that, and then we'll kind of step away from the political side of things for a second, but something that speaks to that is there's been a big growth in organizations that are funding and supporting women who want to run for office. So it's not just Emily's List anymore. There's a lot of other sort of more pop-up places that help women with toolkits and connecting Mm -hmm. them to where they need to go in order to run. And that's on both sides of the aisle. That's people with a variety of different issues in different places. And I think that's really interesting. Like the reason why Al Franken stepped down is because the women of the Senate on the Dem side were like, no, we're not taking this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is an important lesson. The groundswell of what we can do when we get into an office building or get into the chambers of Senate or whatever, it's really impactful. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was cool about all of this was at the end of 2017, this whole Me Too Silence Breakers piece got the Time Magazine cover. And I think it speaks to the power of the movement. It's not necessarily something where they're trying to make, obviously they're trying to make a statement. Yeah. Reflecting how, how much this has changed and how much it will change in long term. Even that movie with Kevin Spacey. I can't remember what it was called. Do you remember what it was called? It's like all the, I don't know. It was about some like old billionaire dude who like refused to Oh yeah, because they were going to replace him with somebody else, right? They did. They already did did it. So like to to have been like, to not have said like, look, this movie's already in post-production, so we'll just not hire him in the future. They're like, no, we're going to remove him immediately from a movie that's already done. That he was in. He was probably one of the leads in, right? He was the lead. He's the crotchety old man who refuses to pay the ransom. Well... (laughs) <laughs> they're like nope they just scooped him out and put another guy in which is also incredible that we've yeah i was about to say that's like, a whole different podcast like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but no and it's like i think it's nominated for a golden globe now that's um awesome. if i remember correctly yeah. but to have done it on that like incredibly short mm-hmm. time frame is like crazy kind of to piggyback off, sure. off that um i don't usually like to read quotes because like it's kind of lame and y'all can read but there's a oh. short quote from the time article that i kind of wanted mm-hmm. to read that really expressed kind of what you were just saying but in like time magazine words which means yours were much better oh yeah well okay. if that's what it means yes i'm cool <laughs> This reckoning appears to have sprung up overnight, but it has actually been simmering for years, decades, centuries. Women have had it with their bosses and coworkers who not only cross boundaries, but don't even seem to know that boundaries exist. They've had it with the fear of retaliation, of being blackballed, of being fired from a job they can't afford to lose. They've had it with the code of going along to get along. They've had it with men who use their power to take what they want from women. These silence breakers have started a revolution of refusal, gathering strength by the day, and the past two months alone, their collective anger has spurred immediate and shocking results. Nearly every day, CEOs have been fired, moguls toppled, icons disgraced. In some cases, criminal charges have even been brought. Incredible. I just like the power behind that statement, Mm -hmm. you know, and just Mm -hmm. the feeling that there's a a rise of women just saying, you know, screw this. We're not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. So I I do want to, again, maintain as we go into maybe the slightly lighter hearted part of our podcast. Oh, you got the... Now that we got the heavy stuff out of the way, we paused, Sarah and I cried, we hugged, we sang some feminist songs. I don't know what that would be, but (laughs) we read Sylvia Plath to each other. If anybody wants to send us... I don't think I could handle a Sylvia <laughs> Plath while drinking wine. It's just... Oh, that's too much. It's just too much. Uh, but if anybody wants to send us some, like, cool feminist literature or some, like, cool feminist chants, songs, whatever. Totally. Like, clearly, the two of us need to expand our minds on the kinds of things you sing to each other when you're crying after you read... About me, too. ...the time article. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... No, but seriously. If that's not feminism, feel, what is? Feel free to share, because I think that that's an area that, like, we could all use more absolutely. education. Absolutely. I, could, I agree completely, especially from... 
can share it on our Facebook page. Yeah. Or on our website. Yeah. Um, you can email or my us favorite, too. Instagram. Oh, yeah. Sarah's, like, Sarah's the queen of the Instagram. I am so If you have obsessed. complaints about the Instagram, talk to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fair. But, <laughs> no, but I think the most important thing for us, especially as white women, is also, like, if we can hear perspectives of people of different races or different yeah. orientations, I think that that would be really interesting, too, because I mm-hmm. think if we all can come together with our various stories and talk about how the female experience is similar and different, yeah, and the survivor experience is similar and different, I think that makes for a stronger coalition. So. Oh, totally. All right. So, maintaining that this type of issue faces more than just women... And that we need to listen to all accusers. It's a statistical fact that only 2 to 8% of accusers are actually lying when they accuse someone of sexual assault. So if someone says they've been sexually assaulted, they are almost certainly telling the truth. And that's something that we need to remember. And it's 2 to 8% because the sources do differ a little yeah. bit. Um, up to 98% of accusers are telling the truth. Um, but we still argue on behalf of the accused. And I think that that's difficult. And that's something that I think... Well, that's part, of, that's part of what helps maintain, well, up until now... Like the power of the, exactly. the accused, quote mm-hmm. unquote, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of power to, in, in someone being able to say like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. No, that never happened. Power and, and then, strength. And, yeah. and especially like, not that all of these situations have to do with times when you're drinking or whatever, mm-hmm. but at least for like college age women, you almost feel like you're being gaslighted in a sense where you're like, wait, did, did that not happen? Yeah. Did I remember it incorrectly? Maybe I misunderstood. It just like reinforces all this other power dynamics that have kept people silent for so long. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And it's different. It's different, it it's really, different for it everybody. Really and enrages me. Personally. Oh, I agree completely. It's the steady demonization of people who have been abused it's absolutely unfathomable it's awful Mm -hmm. and i think that um i think the fact that people are willing to have these conversations like even the fact that we're having this conversation yeah i mean we're gonna have a really (laughs) light-hearted podcast and light-hearted happy hour podcast we decided to delve right into this but i think that speaks to the power of this because it is so important and I think it resonates with a lot more people than necessarily want to come out and talk about their experiences. Mm-hmm. But sorry, guys, not everything will be this Debbie Downer, but it's yeah. worth it. Well, I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. I okay. mean, piggybacking off of that because our topic, our topic is badass, strong women. Um, so before I get into the next piece, maybe we talk to them about our badass, bold Zinfandel. Um, quite... A nice infidel, I have to say. Yeah, it's nice and purple. Let me see the label here. So we are drinking an Old Moon, Old Vines Infidel from California uh, from 2014, picked up at my local Trader Joe's. TJ's. Because sometimes that's what you need to do when you're happy houring, because it's $6. We don't even need to get into DC prices. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. We will, post, we will post all of this, of course, on our website. You'll, you'll find the wine uh, tab and be able to see all the wines that we review. Yeah. So cheers. Cheers. Um, note that Sarah just went straight for chugging hers, then stopped <laughs> because she realized I was doing the swirl and sniff. And I think that that makes me the douchebag in this situation. <laughs> or I'm the alcoholic. That's the other. <laughs> um, what did you think about the wine? It's a little acidic for me. Yes. Personally. I'm not a big Zinfandel drinker, no. so I want to I want to note that. And actually, I was kind of surprised at like, it's got a lot of like flavor spicy fruitiness yeah. to it and yeah. like I think because I don't drink a lot of Zinfandel it's kind of like hmm 
hmm, nice surprise. Yeah. It is bold and spicy and flavorful. Yes. Like and a, a little acidic. Ass woman. Sometimes you got to be a little acidic. True. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I love a Zinfandel. It's it's my favorite winter drink, which is why another reason yeah. why I busted it out because it's got the pepper at the end. You've got a little bit of other herbs and spices kind of on your tongue after mm-hmm. you're done. It's heavy. It goes with a lot of like nice comforting winter foods and stews. Yeah. Who doesn't love a winter stew? It's got a good color, but I do agree that there's a little bit of an acidity to it that I'm not thrilled about. Yeah. Um, if it had been aged a little longer, I think it would be smoother, but that's just me. Yeah. So just a quick recap. Our sweet, yeah. awesome cork rating system out of five corks, half corks allowed, we decided, mm-hmm. you know, because we're indecisive. Um, <laughs> we do our best. <laughs> can't win them all. I'd probably give this like maybe a three for drinkability and affordability, mm-hmm. but it, because it has like a good spiciness to it. Yeah, I would give it. I'm going to the two and a half. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a two and a half just because I am more of a Zin drinker mm-hmm. um, and I'm not thrilled about this particular Zin. Mm-hmm. especially because I've had another one at Trader Joe's that was only like $2 more and was phenomenal. So going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, how do you feel? Do you like, want more one? Uh, yeah, a little bit more is probably yep. okay. Okay. Thank you. It's been a heavy episode. Heavy episode, long couple days, have some football to watch, you know, the usual. Oh, football. <laughs> that, we will talk about lady sportsness. Later, Later, actually. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm kind of yes. leaning towards here. You actually did a great job making that segue. I'm reading you didn't even your mind. Know okay. I know, I know. A mind reader. <laughs> I'm not even going to explain what just happened with her face. All right. <laughs> so what I was kind of leaning into now is like all of this stuff about male and female power dynamics kind of seeps into your day-to-day sometimes in a way that you don't realize. I mean, obviously, mm. not every one of us, thank God, has been through some of these terrible experiences our hearts and our thoughts go out to those people who have been in those situations. Uh, but those of us who maybe haven't been in as overtly dangerous situations, we feel those day-to-day sort of subtle misogynistic things that can drive a girl batty. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we normalize that re- interaction, the more that we normalize the rest of this stuff on a greater value. Like it amplifies. I think that we are really uniquely positioned to discuss this because I would say that we are historically non-traditional women. You know what I mean? I'm intrigued. Explain. What I mean by that is like, I think that there's this stereotype of what being a lady is about, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Uh you're sweet. You you don't really speak up too much. You tend to kind of be more of an observer, but you're very kind. I'm just saying, I think if you sit down and have a beer with Sarah and I, you don't walk away being like, that is a lady. (laughs) (laughs) They're beautiful. No, you would not say that about... Certainly not, in, especially when you think about the historical image of what a lady yes, is. Yes, exactly. You go like straight, old school, like that's kind of what I was thinking. Style, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Which is a whole other bag of issues, but whatever about <laughs> the old South. Um, yeah. In that sense, nah, no, no, like neither one of us. No, no, and that doesn't mean we don't love a good domestic night in and stuff like that, but we're outspoken career ladies, I would say, yeah. with a lot of opinions. Um, I'm sure we're not alone. We are definitely not people alone. People listening to this podcast. I, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I've been called intimidating to men by multiple people. They're like, we need to find good. you someone who who you don't intimidate. And I don't, I'm not even really sure what that means because I don't think I'm particularly intimidating, but the idea, I guess, of this non-traditional femininity can be hard sometimes in a traditional dating environment or traditional work environment or traditional social environment 
I do love that men are opening up in conversation about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And I think they feel like they can come up to women like us and have those conversations, which is really good because uh-huh. we will tell them what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. <laughs> yes, I would be happy to explain that yeah. to anyone who asks. But the thing is, it's difficult to change the entire power structure in our country. But if we start by calling out little things when we're at work and when we're at play, it can help slowly chip away at this. Yeah. So I have a note in my notes here that says, so the patriarchy... Am I right? <laughs> and I think you know what I mean by that. I do. I do know what you mean by that. I do want to like add a little wrinkle of nuance please. to this conversation. Oh, yes. Because like, I totally feel like everything you said is like 100% accurate. And I think that what kind of what you're getting at is that it's a lot of these like little micro situations yeah. that build up this whole acceptable exactly. like, yeah. shitty behavior. Yeah. For lack of a better word, because that's what it is. Um, Agreed. But I think that one wrinkle to add to that is that as younger members of the workforce, it's sometimes hard when you're trying to read a social situation and like try to understand how corporate dynamics work or how the organization I work for is like fairly flat. But Mm -hmm. there is, at least with like my my specific job and, you know, on the corporate side and stuff, there is a hierarchy there in terms Mm -hmm. of like you know, different levels of management and like different levels of experience and um, levels of responsibility as any organization would have. Yeah. But if it's, it's been interesting to try and suss out what is just stuff that you do or think you can do because you've been in this industry for 20 years or 15 years or whatever. Yeah. And what is like kind of crossing that line? How do you draw the line between like, what's just this like, this dude that you've never yeah. met before who's like trying to connect with you as like a human mm-hmm. and what is a kind of like semi-abusive that like power dynamic it's a tough one it's a tough one because we we don't want to demonize everybody um there are yeah. some people who just don't know there are miscommunications that's true but i think that the most important thing is open lines of communication when possible it's going to be something i think as this whole me too thing kind of permeates down to that individual yeah. level people need to decide like what are the new social norms like what is acceptable and what's not acceptable and like how do you push back and I think what you said about open lines of communication is probably key yeah because I don't want to knock people for just trying to be friendly and making like that one awkward comment that yeah they, and I'm sure and, and, and I know I do this all the time when I make really awkward really awkward comments where I go back at the end of the night and I'm like Oh God! Why oh yeah, did I, say I did that, that today. With why something. did I say yeah. that? Yep, yep. I understand so, that. You know, but anyway, that's just something. Something to no, add. To the I agree. I agree. It's definitely a nuanced conversation, um, and I definitely had some things at previous work where I had that same question. I think for me, it was it happened repeatedly, and then you kind of start to know. Like, yeah, yeah. There was like one person. In particular, I will not name any information about any of it, any yeah. of it. But this one person who would always ask me when I was going to be a mom, if I wanted to come over and babysit so I could learn how to be a mom, uh, would ask if I was going to pick up my birth control, if I like left to go for like a walk during work. Um, one time, took my Tinder profile and started like swiping on people. That is highly inappropriate. It it was a higher level person. I, again, no details at all. Um, but it was definitely a feeling of Even just your like, friend shouldn't do that. No, no. That's just not a thing you no, do with people. No. no. Yeah. So, you know, little things like that, but I never said anything because I was like, do I want to start a whole thing just yeah. because this person's making me uncomfortable? And that's a judgment call. I will never tell a woman how to respond to harassment. Um, but right. I don't want people to feel like they can't say something, even if it's just something small, because it's something that like could lead to something bigger in the right. future. There's also 
uh, from another side, have you ever been in a meeting and you sit there and you're either like afraid to say something because you're, no, you're in a room full of men or very strong women and you're like, I don't know if I should say anything. <laughs> Do I have a voice at this table? Am I just here to take notes? And also like, will I be seen as bossy or difficult to work with if I have an opinion? Or stupid. Or stupid. If you're asking questions. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're either afraid to think you're too smart or too stupid. Or you think yeah, you're, you're never smart. you're never like this question's gonna go over just right, right. exactly <laughs> exactly and I think that that's something we've been socialized and trained to do because we're like too afraid to be combative because it's viewed yeah. as unladylike in a way I guess and and as something that you just don't do as part of your social norm and I think as more and more women are speaking up in the office that kind of I don't know. But one other place that annoys the hell out of me when I'm talking about being a strong lady, um, I bring this up this week in part because, yes, we're kind of leaning into 2018. I used the word leaning in there on purpose. I noticed that earlier. Cheryl yeah. Sandberg. Yeah, so the Super Bowl is upcoming. That's part of the reason why I... It's part of the reason why I want to talk about this. I know this is like a weird connection. It is really hard to be a lady sports fan. It's not as hard as it is to, you know, work through a difficult job environment or go through all those things that other people have been through but it is annoying <laughs> to be a lady sports fan especially when you like sports that women are traditionally not supposed to like unless they're like stalking after their boyfriend or like supposed to be deeply knowledgeable about yeah yes not yes. that i'm deeply knowledgeable about football but like I no but like you're not but you're knowledgeable about hockey i do love myself some hockey. yeah you know way more about hockey than i do and a lot of men do and i'm sure it's a similar thing because hockey is another sport that it's like yeah and, like, yeah. one thing I really hate is when you get into a conversation with, like, some doodly dudes. And <laughs> I know exactly like who you mean by doodly dudes. something about whatever. And then I, like, make some comment about hockey or whatever. And then it, like, starts to get, like, a little too specific. And, like, there's, like, this weird thing where then they, like, switch to a sport I don't know anything about. And I'm like, why did we go from hockey to baseball? Yeah. Why did we go to, like, why are you know, blocking rugby me? or, like, curling or something? Like, <laughs> anything about this like we were having a fun chat about okay. a thing I love why did you if they're ever changing it to curling they don't know anything about it either so that's important to know <laughs> um, like, I know three words that <laughs> you don't know <laughs> no but it's true and I like sometimes when I'm in the middle of a football conversation I'll have people speak over my head um and these are like my guy friends who like no I know things about it but it's just like this like weird rude yeah or they'll like because you know they'll pull out all the stats and stuff I'm like okay I don't know as much about the stats as I could also I don't care but I don't care yeah and I know enough about the game that I can have a real conversation with you about it. I've been watching football yeah. since I was like five. Every game, every Sunday with I just my parents. Don't and I just like yeah. having the super hyper like numbers oriented stats thing or no. like being able to tell you who played for them in like 1972 when they like had that one attempt at the playoffs or whatever. You don't need to know that. To oh, I know. Deep, I know all of that Like stuff. deep sports conversation. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> who was yeah. on the Blackhawks in like the 60s when they got the cup the last time but you can watch it with with intelligence and enjoy watching the right. game and you know not oh so I'm a Patriots fan and I know this is going to lose us all of our listeners and I'm really that's sorry that's okay if anybody finds out I've converted to being an Eagles fan it's going to be a problem nobody likes Eagles fans that's true I Hi. did live in Philly for the record yeah Just... I didn't live in Boston but anyways we're not getting into why I'm a Patriots fan <laughs> That's one of my least favorite because, topics on the planet uh, because of this. subject. Yeah, because of this shit. Because someone, inevitably, every single time, I'm like, oh yeah, go Patriots. They're like, oh, you think Tom Brady's hot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I became a Patriots fan when I was 10. I didn't have 
hormones? <laughs> he was not being like, mm, yeah, Tom Brady. No. no. He wasn't even quarterback when I was 10. It's just crap like that that you would never ask a guy, even a gay guy who likes you football. Like, oh, you wouldn't like. Patriots, do you really like Giselle? Like. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Oh, you think Bill Belichick's real sexy with that hood? No. I also love the insinuation that like, ooh, you never were able to play football because you're a woman. So like, you don't know anything about it. Shut up, Alan. You have not ever played football either. You are two feet two. You played the trombone. <laughs> and there's nothing Alan! wrong with that. But Alan. And Alan is just my stand-in for all terrible men who have asked me this, who have said this to me. Like, screw you, You didn't Alan. play football. And no, flag football with your cousins didn't count because I used to do that too so and you, I've, I'm sure you feel the same way with hockey yeah. like have, yeah yep. no I do I'm like idea. granted I will give my boyfriend a lot of credit so like I became a hockey fan when I went to college mm-hmm. because my university is like real real good when mm-hmm. I was there and that was like a little bit before the Blackhawks became a multiple Stanley Cup winning mm-hmm. championship yes dynasty oh um, wow I didn't, y'all I didn't even say dynasty <laughs> Blackhawks busted out dynasty before the Patriots fan did <laughs> Um, well, you know, the last time I saw them play, it did not go so well, which I'm always like, oh, I paid for tickets. Could you not roll over and die in the middle of the second period? Anyway. But Sarah, you don't know anything about hockey because you never played it. (sighs) (laughs) Just want to like smack people that say that to me too. And then, and then they'll like, they'll be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I know a thing about trying to like shoot a puck at a net. And then you're like, oh yeah, like that guy just crazy slap shot, like through the five hole or whatever. I don't know what that means. Look at you like. Like, I'm looking at you and right now because I don't know what that means. And then they're like, blah, 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 blue line. And you're like, you just threw out another random term. <laughs> like, you can't just, like, compare Penalty box. Term. Penalty box. You just look like, like, I have, it's like a vocab test, okay? Like, we're not just, like, throwing it. <laughs> it's a spelling, words. baby. They just start spelling. And then, and then H-O-C-K-E-Y. <laughs> Hockey. And then it always goes to baseball, which is, I don't know why. Screw is that baseball. my problem? But, like, I feel like every time I have a sports conversation, mm-hmm. it goes to it's baseball. It's because all, all statistics, like all baseball. statistics lead to baseball. Like, mm, math. No. no. Well, because our little women brains can't handle that much math. Apparently not. That's a joke, guys. That's a joke. I mean, more power to the people who like baseball. Because totally. I feel like you do actually need to have a lot more statistical knowledge to follow it because, like, that's just a part of the game. Yeah. In a way that, like... Part of the reason I like hockey is because you have a bunch of big guys <laughs> on teeny tiny pieces of sharp metal <laughs> going around in circles on really slippery ice beating the shit out of each other. Like, it's amazing. They're like, we're such ladies. This <laughs> tiny puck with a, a stick. And then they just beat the crap out of each other. It's phenomenal. I love it. It's yeah. Like, it's like such an, but you're right that like, there is always like, whenever you get into that conversation with like friends or coworkers mm-hmm. or like randos in the bar or whatever, they always have to be like, oh, and then they like make that comment where they're trying to like test your sports. They life. quiz you. Like yes. as if you're not part of the club or if you don't know the answer or the reference that they made somehow invalidates all your opinions and mm-hmm. all the hours you spent watching and all the love you have for your team and the fact that you can recite the players' names or whatever. My favorite is always to be like, oh yeah, when so-and-so is rated so-and-so like yesterday. And then they always look at you like, oh. My favorite I try was... to like memorize that whenever I see. I like Every morning you wake up and you're like, like, all right. Hmm, who got <laughs> traded? I need to throw this in someone's face. <laughs> They dare challenge my lady sports fandom. Oh my god, I had someone come up to once and at a bar. It's a random guy. I've never saw him again. And we're talking about the Patriots because I think they're actually on. Mm, yeah. Um, and he goes, All right, if you can name one person on the Patriots who's not Tom Brady, I'll buy you a drink. And you're like, How much money do you have? I was like, How many drinks? <laughs> yeah. I was like, Screw you. Like, that is just 
I don't know. It's it's really disrespectful. And like I bring this up again because the Super Bowl is right around the corner. And I always have a Super Bowl party because I love football. If you guys didn't get this already, when I was younger, I wanted to be a sideline reporter. Like Aww. things have changed. Um, well, and Dana. I, yeah, anyways, uh, <laughs> it's a different industry. It, it sure as hell is. Yep. Um, but like it's coming around, and these conversations are going to happen more. And then the Stanley Cup will come around, and these conversations will keep happening. And yeah. the more these conversations happen. The more there's other conversations that feel like there should be allowed to happen in, in the office, there's more people, more men who think they should jump across a woman or vice versa in some situations yeah. um, and interrupt or, or denigrate someone. Because anytime you think that someone else thinks less or knows less or has less of an opinion than you because of what they look like or where they come from, you're putting another piece into that puzzle of the overall problem of the system. Yeah. I think. So again, being condescended to about sports is not the same as being harassed or assaulted. I just want to no, re but. yeah, reinforce that. But But it goes back to all these teeny tiny little microscopic power dynamics. Yep. It's these tiny aggressions against women that build and build and limit women's ability to believe in her own voice. Yeah. And that's the problem. Beautifully said. We've solved it with solved. wine. This is bold. Wine solves everything. Yes. It's the motto of our show. Solve your problems with wine. Oh, that um, should be. Huh. Episode mm. title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love it. Uh, <laughs> we'll cut that. an episode. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Pfeiffer always names up. the episodes. Anyways, yep. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to bring that up because it's something that has been I've been thinking about for a really long time mm-hmm. and it defined our last year so much in a way that I don't think being a woman has defined me that much in a very long time. Yeah. And I think that that is something that has transcended lots of different communities and people of different colors and ethnic backgrounds and LGBTQ and all those good people. Um, but yeah. But so, yeah, I think not to, not to cut you off, but I think that it would be really, it'll be really interesting to come back to this yeah. over the next like year, year and a half and like see how this develops over time. And like, mm-hmm. if this does change, not just our realities, but like the realities of our friends and the people who listen to this, if they want to share or whatever, please. Like yeah. if this is changing things on a day to day basis for you in a good way or a bad way. Yeah. We want to know either way. We, it'll, it'll be the long term change that will really tell us what this movement was able to do. Yeah. If you have thoughts about what we talked about today or criticisms because you're coming from a place where you've had those experiences or maybe you just want to complain about the patriarchy, that's fine too. You can always, patriots. Nope. That's not acceptable. <laughs> you, you, you can't do that. That's uh, I just couldn't let the alliteration mm, go. I know. It's too perfect. I know. We're not friends anymore now. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, you can always shoot us an email at decantdc at gmail.com or uh, check out our Twitter, which is decantdc, our Facebook, which is also decantdc, and please comment on that. We'd love to kind of start a community there. Um, ask us any questions. Give us feedback. Tell Sarah she's wrong about the Patriots. All those things are acceptable. <laughs> I accept the criticism. Oh, yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, so I guess I just wanted to end by thanking um, Time Magazine for letting me uh, quote so much of you in this uh, podcast. I think that article really informed what we had to say today, and I thank you for that. Thank you to our wine as well for inspiring our chit-chat. As always, again, it's Old Moon Zinfandel, available at Trader Joe's. Links to the articles I discussed, so the Time Magazine article mostly, as well as a recap of the episode's wine review is available at our website. Again, that's www.decantdc.com decantdc.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at decantdc. Uh, this episode, as always, was produced in part by Katherine Kamowski, whose website is still forthcoming, but we will share that with you as soon as we have it. Uh, thanks for listening, and cheers, everybody. Cheers. Dana here with an update from the Decant DC Studios, aka my bedroom. 
As you may or may not know, the uh, New England Patriots, my team of choice and the loves of my life, will be playing Sarah's Philadelphia Eagles this weekend in the Super Bowl. Tensions are running high here uh, at the studio. We uh, have agreed to an impasse. Our friendship is being tested to its limits. Um, Those who know me know that I've been a Pats fan for, oh God, 18 years. Uh, I've was a Patriots fan before Tom Brady existed as a part of the team. Uh, Sarah lived in Philly for a while, and now she's dating a passionate Philadelphia fan, so neither of us is backing down from our stances. Sarah did turn down my invite to my Super Bowl party to try to save our friendship, and for that I'm very grateful. We're staying strong. We'll have updates for you after the game. For those of you who don't care about sports, just understand this is... This is a big deal for us. So think about us, thoughts and prayers, and uh, we'll see you after the big game. Go Pats!